0: Yes, it is. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Washington football team declassified podcast. If you are not already, take a moment to go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We got a great episode today. We're going to be talking about injuries with the Washington football team. We all want to avoid them, but in football, they are unavoidable at times. And at the end of last year, we sustained some key injuries that are going to impact just going into the 2021-2022 season. And we went out and found the best football injury specialist on social media. You want to introduce yourself to our audience?
1: I appreciate that. That's uh, quite the compliment considering how many of uh, how many of us there are. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm Dr. Edwin Porz, Dr. Physical Therapy. Call me Edwin. I am a physical therapist from California, and I am a, a medical analyst at fantasypoints.com. So a bit of a fantasy spin on a lot of the stuff that I talk about. Um, but I, it turns out there's a lot of people from, you know, just NFL fans that will follow me. And, and, and ask questions, and it's fun. It's a good time. The last time I had a big, like, uh, sort of role in health is when I would talk about Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, and so it turns out that Carson Wentz is an injury-prone. He's just really bad at football, so <laughs> I'm sure you would appreciate that little job I just gave.
0: Absolutely, and you know what? I like what I'm seeing with, with doctors coming in to provide fans of football this type of information because it's so important, not only just as a fan, but like you said, with fantasy football, we're setting our lineups and we want to know what's going on. And so, for everybody listening to this podcast, I want you to go tell them where they can find you on social media.
1: Yes, please add fb injury doc on Twitter. I also have a podcast. I'm very original in that sense. I like to tell people that I'm just a really I'm a thought leader because I have a podcast. It's a joke. Everybody has a podcast, right? <laughs> uh the injury prone fantasy football podcast. Check that out. I need to push that more often. I don't I don't push it as often. So, yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Absolutely. So, let's hop right into it. Oh, let- Eric, how you doing tonight, man? I forgot about you.
2: Man, yes, I forgot I about you, here. bro. <laughs> I am. I am also here. I'm, right. I'm used to being ignored, though. Uh, <laughs> quick question for the doctor: Are you billing us by the hour? Do you do you take our insurance? We need to know this beforehand.
1: Listen, this is going to be all all concierge cash. So I'll send the bill in the mail. I'm not going to tell you how much it is. We'll we'll determine after this clinical assessment.
2: <laughs> all right i'm i'm self-pay so uh, <laughs> okay can, sounds just,
1: good i'll take okay, it easy fair. on you
0: thanks <laughs> our billing address is the same as your address edmund just in case you weren't <laughs> <laughs> all right let's jump into it so i think the injury that washington football team fans are most intrigued about at this point is antonio gibson we see some updates coming out from some of the local beat reporters um, about the foot injury that he sustained um obviously there's questions about surgery and, and and all this stuff and what's going to be the evolution of that injury. Can you take us through um, what you know about the Antonio Gibson injury and kind of
1: what's in the near future for him? Yeah, so I think it's important to start with what the injury specifically is. So you have this complex of ligaments, connective tissue that run underneath your whole foot really, but that first toe, your big toe, it's covered underneath by a ton of connective tissue that prevents it from sort of hyperextending into the wrong position or in this, this place, what would be called like a, a dorsiflexion which is essentially where the toe gets overstretched towards the the shin. And so it's a super common injury happens all the time, especially to running backs. Now it gets tricky because it, you can look at an MRI as a surgeon, PT, athletic trainer, have the discussion and you can say, I think this will heal on its own. This is probably like a grade two grade one and a half, right? You sort of have that clinical, you have to give that clinical judgment. This will probably heal on its own with some rehab. You also have the flip side where those ligaments and tendons get pretty ruptured and ran through the ringer and you are, you can be caught in this gray zone. And I think that's where people are confused with the Antonio Gibson thing, right? Cause I see a lot of, well, why didn't he have surgery? He should have surgery now. This is a really difficult decision to make. It's not, a, it's not a particularly easy one. And if you can avoid surgery, even surgeons who cut for a living will tell you if they can avoid surgery, as long as possible, they will, they will help you avoid surgery. That's where rehabs rehab comes in. That's where PTs, physical therapists come in, athletic trainers. We help that those patients get to the point where they can rehab again. Now with Antonio Gibson, what I am, I wasn't in the room, obviously what I imagine happened was that they looked at the MRI. They looked at his clinical tests and measures, you know, what he felt like, how he was running and feeling. And they took the calculated, they made the calculated decision to let this sort of run its course without surgery. There's no real, I mean, there is, I guess, a right and a wrong answer, but it's a lot more gray than people give it credit for. There's some research out there showing that even pretty significant injuries of this, of this type can heal well without surgery. And there's also some that say, if you once you get to a certain point, you should have surgery, but I think the point I'm trying to make here is that it was an injury that occurred in 2020 we're sitting here now in 2021. He's still having some pain. He's still having some discomfort. That doesn't mean that he won't be able to perform. It just means that, Hey, maybe in 2022, now surgery is going to be back on the table. If he's still feeling pretty crappy and he plays through it all year.
0: Um, let me ask you this, cause you had mentioned that you really want to avoid surgery as much as possible. Can you inform our listeners as to why that is?
1: <sighs> yes. Yeah, so, I know that it's very common, right? Everybody's, oh, I had surgery, right? I had, I cleaned up my knee or I had an ACL. Uh, my, my grandma had her knee replaced. Surgeries like that are extremely common. And it's, I'm not saying they're unsafe. So that's not what I want to get get across. The difference is the, the the point that I'm trying to make is that surgeries do come at a risk. They aren't free. They're risky because you're cutting somebody open. First of all, you're putting them to sleep, right? Anesthesiologists get paid massive bucks. Not they'll joke with you. Like I've talked to a few anesthesiologists. They all made the same joke. They're like, oh, you know, I don't get paid to put you to sleep. I get paid to wake you back up. So that's a risk on its own. Right. So we joke about that, but it's true. Like it's still a risk. You still get put under, you have to cut open into a joint. Sometimes you can stay outside of the joint, but if you're going to leave a scar, you're going to leave scar tissue. It's a trauma. The body doesn't know what, what's going on. It just knows that it got cut open. It's still traumatic. It's still traumatic. And on top of that, the surgery could fail. There's a lot of orthopedic literature, the MDs and the PTs were, are both putting out showing that for a lot of conditions, this specific condition, by the way, this turf toe issue, uh, there's no difference between rehab or surgery, which is sort of mind blowing. Right. But there's just no definitive evidence saying you should have surgery at this point, and it will be better than just rehab. So calculating all the risks that surgery comes with naturally versus, Hey, if we can just rehab this on their own, that's where the decision that. That everybody has to make plus you're dealing with an elite athlete whose livelihood is you know on their body right so their their livelihood is made from their body so it's not a decision that i envy and i definitely don't i wouldn't want to be in that room helping them make that decision
2: (laughs) Um, when you talk about um some of the trauma that they go through with the surgery. That's an interesting question because with a lot of athletes, what I see is the first surgery is there's, there's no such thing as just one surgery. Once you start having a surgery, you're going to, they're going to, they're going to have to keep going back in almost yearly to kind of clean it up because scar tissue forms. And uh, is that the reason you want to put it off as long as possible? Or am I just making this up?
1: No, no, it's very, they're very much that it's very much more common for something like in the, like in the knee, where they go out and they shave a little bit and then they shave a little bit, and then they shave a little bit, eventually you need a knee replacement. So that's much more common in the knee. But when you say later, there's trauma and there's scar tissue buildup and, you know, you have all these potential complications due from the previous procedure. Yeah, that's definitely in place. Having, having something almost come up as a result of the surgery is not unheard of. So there are all these things that you sort of have to take into consideration. So, yeah, I would definitely say that's, that's part of it.
0: Um, now, as far as his season coming up, are you concerned at all just based on the the reports about the you know potential for a need for surgery later? Do you feel like he can be successful this season?
1: I think there's a chance that he is bothered by this for a lot of the season. I think there's a chance he's going to have to rehab. I joked in that tweet that I had that, you know, Wednesday, the Wednesday anxiety and his DNPs is do not practice, did not practice. You know, they're going to rack up. Um, I think that ultimately he, he this is something Obviously, this is outsider talking, right? This is just from my experience with other people, not Antonio Gibson. It seems like this is something that since he waited so long and now you see him running, jumping, and cutting in camp, it's just something that's going to be nagging at him. I don't expect it to, to evolve into a full-blown rupture like middle of the season, but I, I can see that if it doesn't go away within the first few weeks of camp, that it could be something that, that bothers him. And you might see him on the sideline. They might give him you know, one of those Toradol shots. You might see him getting taped up you know, at halftime or something like that, you might see somebody else come in and take a few snaps. Ultimately, I think in, in the big picture and the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's going to be something that will, you know, limit him terribly, but I do. I, I, what I'm trying to say is it's not nothing. I'll put it that way.
0: Can it heal while you're playing or does it require consistent rest to get better?
1: You know, at this point they've waited so long. He hasn't, you know, played an NFL game for so long the it's a, it's a complicated answer. I want to give a definitive answer. (laughs) He's waited so long to jump and cut. And then he came and jumped and, and cut and it's not gone, right? Tissue healing times, even though they can take up to a year for something like an acute injury that should be healed by now. So, you know, when you say, can it get better? The chances, the likelihood of it getting better compared to where it is now, as the season progresses, the closer we get to camp, right? The closer we get to the preseason to the season, the lower those chances get. So right now, when he, they're still not in the grind right now, would be the best time to rehab it, recover as best as you can, strengthen intrinsic foot muscles, do as much as you can for your, for your knee health, for, you know, everything, all the muscles surrounding those, those ligaments to protect them. And just, you just got to grind through at this point, because the return to sport, if you were to have surgery today is like 16 weeks. So, you know, and that's definitely not, not in the cards at this
2: point. So is there a potential with this type of injury for other injuries to occur based on like compensating, like you're favoring this leg, therefore your hip goes bad or your knee or you know something like that? How often does that occur with something like this?
1: Yeah, it depends on who, on the rehab professional you talk to. I'm not a big believer that's really, I mean, okay, there's some literature to indicate that it can't happen. I don't want to say that it's just no period point blank. No, um, but I do see it more so in the context of people have been limping with for years, right? People have been doing something for X amount of time. That's not an NFL season. I don't necessarily see him all of a sudden now getting a knee sprain and getting an you know, rolling his ankle, maybe indirectly, if he's trying to run gingerly on that foot, then yes, he can roll an ankle. Then yes, he can, you know, get a high ankle sprain, something. But the reality is like to project that forward, that would be you know, that, that would be not scientific to me. I, I just wouldn't see it as something like, sure. It's some, it's plausible. Right. But I don't know how possible it is, or if it'll actually happen.
2: Very cool. Yeah. Um, good ends on Gibson. Um, we're going to move on to a couple other players real quick to just kind of touch on the first one would be, uh, everybody's favorite one game wonder, uh, Mr. Taylor Heineke, um, there's a big concern. I mean, obviously he played lights out against Tampa Bay and everybody, everybody loved what they saw from him then. And, you know, expectations from some people are exploding and other people are like, calm down and other people like he sucks. It's all over the place. But one thing that everybody kind of agrees on is that he does have an injury history. Uh, pretty much every game he's ever been in, he has been injured. He's been concussed. Uh, he had an elbow injury. Um, he had the, he had the shoulder he even got knocked out of the last game with the shoulder. Um, When you see a player of him, of his uh, stature, I guess, because he's, you know, listed at six foot, but that's very generous, listed at, you know, 190, also very generous. How much of it is, you know, how much of that can be, how much of the injury potential can be limited by just visiting the weight room and bulking up? Or is it something like intrinsic? Is it like a small, like we always hear the term like big bone or small framed? Is it just a small frame thing that he's just, you know, with the quarterback position, taking the pounding that it does? is he just going to probably get hurt or is there any way he can really do other than, you know, how much does bulking up really help, I guess would be the question.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I would have to look at Taylor Heineke's college sort of game locks to know, and I am pulling them up right now. Oh, he only played one year at old dominion. Is that right? Oh, wow. They only have one year in there for him, Go Mar- um, but he was able to play 12 games. And basically the reason I'm looking at that is because games played in college correlates with the amount of games that you'll play in the NFL once you move forward. Now, when you're as small as six foot 190, like you're saying, like, yes, there's obviously something to that when 300 pound men are barreling down on you. There's something to be said for that. Um, How much of it, I couldn't really tell you. I can tell you though that um, I haven't seen his specific, the specific mechanisms of how he was injured. I know that the shoulder injury, he was sacked. AC joint injuries are extremely common in quarterbacks. We saw it happen to uh, Kyler Murray this year. Um, You saw it happen to, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen had an AC injury at some point. Uh, I think we saw it in, in a few other quarterbacks. So they're extremely common. Shoulder injuries are very, very common. Um, and as far as concussions go, concussions are common on sacks in the pocket for a lot of quarterbacks, you know, uh, there, are th- th- that, stuff happens. So to say how much is it attributed to him just getting in the weight room? I can tell you that for a fact, his concussion risk probably wouldn't come down very much. Um, now maybe the AC joint sprain would maybe not. So it's really a matter of just understanding that from 2010, I think it was to 2014, uh, there was a study done that documented how many injuries occurred in, in, in NFL games. During that time period, there was a percentage of games that were considered injury-free. There was no documented injury in those games. So it was a four-year span. They looked at how many games. I'm going to let both of you guess what percentage of those games were considered injury-free.
2: 0.0. Anything, oh, Lawrence? 12%. That's my house quote, yeah. I
1: got 2.3% of those games, (laughs) which probably does come down to the 0% 0 that you're talking about when, you know, quarterbacks all stars for a play, the lineman put his finger back in place on his own, you know, all those things that didn't get reported. So the number is probably zero. So the point I'm trying to make with all that is that injuries happen in the NFL. So to say this person or that person is relatively injury prone, especially when the sample is so small for Heineke it's really hard. He could just be really, really unlucky. Like we were talking about once before he was super, super, super unlucky. And I think he's going to stay healthy moving forward, but um, we'd have to see a bigger sample. We'd have to see a bigger sample for me to answer that.
2: So is there, well, I'm sure there is. How big of a difference is it between 195 and 205 um, as an NFL quarterback?
1: Again, I don't know the scientific answer to that question, but I would imagine pretty, a pretty big bulk. I mean, but then you get into like the, the very nitpicky, like, well, what if he gained it around his hips? You know, what if he gained right. the 10 pounds at his chest and not necessarily his shoulders, you know, would that have prevented the AC joint sprain the separation? <sighs> I'm definitely going to say weight training will help anybody stay healthy, hard strong. People are harder to kill. I tell my patients that all the time. So being strong is never a bad thing, but I just don't know how much that would help his specific, you know, ailment. I wouldn't tell him not to do it. I'll say that though.
0: You know, we, we've had players that have been just like muscle machines here throughout the years too and I think what we've seen is as you develop a different muscle set you can expose yourself to a different type of injury risk too. Um, do you buy into that philosophy or is it really kind of just you know stuff happens in the NFL?
1: I think both right I, th- I think I'd be ignorant to say if I were to say you know these things are totally random. There's no pattern. Like that's not necessarily right. Just because we don't know the pattern doesn't mean there aren't patterns, but if the person is bulking up and if they're doing it the right way, that's a really the, the huge asterisk, right. Then typically you wouldn't expect them to be injured more frequently. Now, if you're getting to, you know, a, you know, a third string fringe guy who was, you know, started using some HGH put on 15 pounds of muscle in like a matter of three weeks, then decided to go to training camp that might be a different story like yeah that's probably not ideal um but when it comes to like players putting on weight the right way i i definitely would always advocate for that and you know it's it sort of like things probably ha- do just happen at that point right you can't really strengthen your way up out of your you can't strengthen your way out of getting hit at the knees and getting your acl blown out
0: but it's it's probably and tell me if you agree with this but style of play is more critical to getting injured in terms of like a quarterback running around and being mobile and diving and things like that, he puts himself at greater risk than, um, you know, adding bulk is going to prevent you from getting it. Like, you know what I mean? Like style of play is probably more
1: decision. I would, I wouldn't call it style of play. I would say decision-making because a lot of times it does come down to like decision-making like Lamar Jackson in 2019 when he dominated, I think he was only touched on, he was only physically touched on 54% of his runs that were not Neal's. So that that's something that that matters, too, because his decisions were, were pretty good. He was either going to run out of bounds or he was going to slide um, and he got tackled, obviously, a few times. But I think, yeah, I think that that does play something into it is decision making.
2: Yeah, because right. style of play. I mean, somebody who just is a statue in the pocket and just stands back there and gets killed every play is not Correct. any safer than yeah. Taylor Heineke diving from the mm-hmm. five yard line. So that's right. Very interesting stuff lennon Collins got hurt
0: uh, last year. I think it was like the middle of the season. I think he blew out his Achilles injury. Um it's been a while. does he is he is there has enough time passed to where you feel like he could be hundred percent going into the season?
1: would <laughs> remind me when it happened?
0: I want to say it was like October yes yeah, yeah. or October I, six, I think six, it would time be time like
1: ten months if I calculated that correctly from the the date that I saw. So the average return to play time for these Achilles injuries are between nine and ten months for these NFL players. He's in, he's on the bubble, right? He's a 27 year old cornerback. He obviously has high draft capital. He's really good. I'm sorry. Is he a safety? I called him a cornerback. Yeah. He's safety. Safety. That's my fault. Yikes. Sorry. Don't beat me up guys. Um, so he, (laughs) I think he's he's a
2: linebacker, but Hey, (laughs)
1: he's super athletic, um, super athletic guy. And, um, so there's a lot of draft capital built into him and there's a lot of, you know, sort of expectations on him. He's going to get the opportunity to come back. I can't specifically say to his specific rehab. Oh yeah. He'll be ready to go week one, but I can tell you that these can take up to a year, but the average is 10 months for them to return to play. And because he's so athletic and because he has good draft capital, um, he was, you know, taken highly in the NFL, he sort of meets a lot of the criteria for players to bounce back from these big catastrophic injuries. However, this injury was pretty, is as catastrophic as they get. There's a pretty massive drop off in power and speed. Uh, When it comes to these specific Achilles injuries, you look, you think of guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Richard Sherman, who sure they've come back and they've contributed, but they're definitely not themselves at this point. Um, Again, Collins has a chance to come back and be close to his sort of ceiling because of his specific situation. Um, But I would just not necessarily expect a ceiling year. There's actually a study conducted um, in NFL players that showed the year after So 18 months after their initial injury is when they're able to reach their ceiling again. So I wouldn't necessarily expect based on the data on averages, uh, for, for this guy to, to come back and be full ceiling.
2: Yeah. So for my unscientific background, uh, in watching these types of injuries, I I've noticed a a distinct pattern where like a 24 year old who blows an Achilles ends up much better off than a 30-year-old who blows an Achilles and I, I assume that's not there's some science behind that being that you know you you get old and your body doesn't heal as well um, I've just seen you know some of the guys like you said Sherman has never quite been the same since he did it but he was close to 30 when he did it or over 30 um, so you know Landon's is right in that kind of sweet spot of 27 so you know the odds for him coming back what do you think Healing yeah no, your, that's a that's
1: That's a great point. Yeah, he, he, so you see that with ACL tear specifically, um, for example, players who have their ACL torn before the age of 24. So 23 years old also do a better job of coming back from ACL tear specifically. There's probably some carrier carry over to that with Achilles injuries as well. And I think you're right. I think that this was sort of the last stop. If this was going to happen to him at any point in his career, for him to have any type of ceiling after the fact 27 to me. Um, At least based on the numbers I've seen in the studies I've read, 27 was like the latest that he could have waited for this and still come back and be, you know, an impact player. Uh, So I think that he's got a chance. Um, I just wouldn't expect a big massive year from him necessarily. And if it happens, hey, congrats.
2: Well, speaking of ACL tears, uh, we have another player who's coming off of one of them. Who happens to be 23 years old, and that would be Kelvin Harmon. Um, now he did his what was it, mini camp or was it training camp last year? It was like first day of something. He like blew his, his it ACL was right before training camp because it
0: was July when he hurt himself.
2: Yeah, it was like right right at the start of everything. So, uh, based on what you just said, he's going to have a career year um, <laughs> because he's in the 23.
1: Let me tell you the other. Let me tell you the other the other uh, things you got to look at.
2: What is their draft capital?
1: Like he's a six rounder and what is their athleticism like? And I'm looking at his, what is his athletic numbers here? Who would be his best athletic comp? Cause I couldn't tell you.
0: He, his 40 was like a four, six something. So it wasn't like elite speed. Um, and I don't think he had like elite numbers in the combine for like the 40 and stuff like that. So he was probably,
2: uh, I mean, yeah, he's not the most explosive player, right? Um, he's more of a, yeah, he's not the most explosive. So he doesn't, he's not, I'm not going to say he's not a fast twitch cause he's in the NFL. So he's obviously a fast twitch, but that's right, not his right. not a strong suit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, and that's what I was going to say is athleticism and how much stock the front office has in these players that studies have also shown is what matters the most. So this guy can come back. Cause he's had, he's had a full year to rehab. Now assuming this wasn't a Rashad Penny type injury where he had his knee just completely blown out, then he'll be ready for week one. And he does have at least average NFL athleticism. Um, now his draft capital is a little low so we'll see what happens I, I think that um he's got a chance to contribute but again a year coming off of that injury he's 24 years old which is you know right on the border uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him he's definitely if if i'm saying landon collins might not have a ceiling year i definitely don't expect kelvin Harmon to have a, a ceiling year and what's
0: the correlation between the draft capital that you're talking about Are you talking about pedigree or, or is it something else?
1: Yeah. So it, it goes, it gets tied into a lot of different ideas and concepts, just like the top guys are harder to miss on, right? The first round, second round, third rounders, those are typically pretty pretty consensus that they're going to be at least average NFL players. So that's the first thing. Cause regardless of what happens to them, they're probably going to be pretty good NFL players, the higher the draft capital, the high, the more interest in general, the front office will have to rehabbing you keeping you around right that that sort of goes back to somebody like the difference between how washington will rehab kelvin harman you know and and how new york the new york giants will rehab saquon barkley probably looks a whole lot different right so those are different those are the t- different sort of things that go into the pot when you consider and the, the research doesn't try to explain the studies that i'm that i'm talking about they don't try to explain why they've just found hey draft capital That's a good, that's a good indicator. Young age. That's a good indicator. Mm. Um, Athletic status. That's a good indicator. So I'm sort of projecting what the, what in my head would make the most sense.
0: Um, Let me ask you this question in baseball, you have Tommy John surgery and generally they say the pitcher comes back stronger than before they had the surgery. Yeah. Is that not the case with the other ligaments in the body?
1: (laughs) You know, that's another good question. So you can look at somebody like Keenan Allen who tore his ACL and he's doing pretty well. I mean, we can't say that he's better off than when he tore his ACL, but he's doing okay. Alan Robinson, same thing, tore his ACL, doing okay. Uh, Philip Rivers tore his ACL, had an okay career. So now I do know what you mean because they do their ERAs better when they come back. Yeah. So it's it's pretty it's a pretty crazy phenomenon. Now the only explanation that I could give that would make it that makes any sense to me would be that these dudes have thrown so many freaking pitches so hard for so long that by the time they tear their Tommy, you know, their Tommy John ligament with their UCL, they're 23, 24, but they have the arm of like a 60 year old. So then you go in there, you basically just tighten it up. You reconstruct it. sew it pin it down, tighten it up. It's stronger. Their ligament is, is, is more pliable at that point. It's not sort of worn down and they have better control of the stability of their pitches. They have better control of their pitches specifically. So that would be my theoretical, answer to that question but i've thought about that too that's a good question
0: okay i got two more for you and eric i'll let you get some wine if you have some let's do it the situation with Tyrod taylor last year with the injection that went wrong Oof. how common of a mistake <sighs> is that or is that just completely unheard
1: of so <laughs> disclaimer i have never been on an nfl sideline i've never been in an nfl you know blue tent anything like that uh, i know a few people who have, and I guess the way that I'd answer that question after talking to them is how many times have you heard of that happening personally? Never. It's not common, but it happens. I mean, it's the reason why when you and I go to the doctor and they're going to do that to us, we sign a waiver. Yeah. So the, you know, it, it's not, uh, and again, I wasn't in the room. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. I don't even place those types of injections. Uh, so I can't, I don't want to cast judgment on anybody, but. I will say that it's not a common occurrence, not common at all.
0: Okay. And then the the Washington football team slash Redskins have had this history with their training staff of a lot of players on the roster getting hurt every single I knew this year. this question was coming. I knew that the second
1: I was on this podcast, they were going to ask this question.
0: <laughs> and then you got players not being able to make it back from injury. I mean, this goes back all the way to LeVar Arrington um you know we saw Bryce Love be here for what 3 years and never get on the field 2 or 3 years never get on the field Reuben Foster never made it back is this a product of or is there any credence to the training staffs and organizations aren't really constructed correctly to help players rehab or is this just chance and circumstance
1: i think it depends so somebody like Jordan Reed chance and circumstance 100% that unfortunately that dude had a history coming in um I know the whole thing uh, with the medical staff has been an issue. And again, I've never been backdoors. I don't want to chastise any colleagues, anything like that, because I haven't been in the room. It does sort of seem like the culture is a little different than what I've heard from other organizations. Um, it seems like the decisions that they make are, they tend to be different. Um, maybe they're using reasoning and they're just good reasoning and they, there's not really anything, you know, they just sort of the ball bounce the wrong way. Um, but I haven't even done research to know specifically like, Hey, are the, are their injury rates higher or have they been higher? Cause it might just be us qualitatively feeling that way. Maybe the numbers don't shake out that way. Right. So I, I can't cast too much judgment, but I, I do know that their, their situations have been, um, their situations have been different. And I know that they hired Dr. Kevin Wilk, physical therapist out of, I don't even know where he's at anymore, but he's sort of like the, the, the OG of athletic PT, like the like sports PTs. And James he was Andrews. hired on a consultant basis. So he, I know that they're trying, at least it seems with the actions that they've taken, that they they think it's an issue and they've taken some action to try to correct it. So I'll, I'll leave it at that.
2: So uh, quickly getting back to the ACL uh, issue, uh, I know the rehab time that you mentioned um, in Kellen Hartman would have been past that. At what point, I guess, I don't know if you specifically laid out a rehab uh, time for him but at what point does it become mental like the knee is right but it, it he's not right because he's not ready yet is there a certain like timeline where you can just physically say as like a general suggestion of like yeah he's good it's just up in his head now
1: yeah rerupture rates are not any greater at 9 months um so pretty much we look at the 9 month mark even though it's a little arbitrary because they need to meet physical criteria as well 9 months is really when you start looking at an athlete and like hey, let's get this, you know, these perceptions, under because the psychological aspect does matter. Let's start getting your, your mentals good. Let's start, you know, do you need to see a sports psychologist? How do you feel when you're out, out on the field? Do you feel more secure with a brace on? You know, why are you avoiding this type of route when in reality, maybe you should be, you know, those types of things do start to matter. And you try to address those during the the return to, like the true return to sport phase, which is like, Roughly six, like after the six month mark or so you're really doing some intense stuff. So that's really when you start doing uh, more of that type of retraining. But there is, yeah, you basically to answer your question and not be long winded. I would argue after the nine, 10 month, 10, 10 month mark on average, it's, it becomes less of a physical thing and more so of like, how are you coping with this
2: thing? right and that explains uh 2012 adrian peterson because he did not need a sports psychologist he was like he was like nine months removed running for 2000 yards so good for him okay it was nuts yeah um last question from me and i'm going to take you back to an old wound for washington fans when a player comes in after the first day of camp and and gets rhabdomyolysis, um it's because he didn't do anything all offseason let's just clear that up (laughs) i already know the answer but uh
1: Tell me the story. What? This is Albert. Did Han- I, how did I this is this? Albert
2: Hansworth. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. he, he skipped mini camp and worked out on his own, Um and then came and then came in on the first day and was he had flu like symptoms, which later turned out to be license, which is what somebody like me would get if I just went to CrossFit off my couch. Uh, and <laughs> yes, almost, correct. Yeah. I would end up in the hospital. Uh,
1: I'll I'll put it this way: to get rabdo, you have to push past some pretty intense pain that you're and signals your body sending you. So. It's, at least it seems like he finished the workouts. I'll put I'll put it that way, right? I mean, gotta give the guy some credit. Yeah, <laughs> he tried to finish,
2: is what it seems okay. like. That was just an old that was just an old wound for me. I had some arguments back in the day with people. It was like, no, he was really sick. It's like, you know, why he was sick? Yeah, I would I would probably I may or may, side or may not have had that one. at one point. So yeah,
1: yeah, I would probably side with you on that. Um,
0: how much div- this this last for me too, man? We certainly appreciate you hanging out with us. Sure, sure,
1: sure. You guys had a lot of off-the-cuff ones. I wasn't ready for this. I'm sorry. Hey,
0: we try to test you when you come on this podcast. That's how we roll. (laughs) How much different is the recovery time for injuries for professional athletes versus the average Joe like Eric and myself?
1: Great question. That's a very great question. So that's an interesting question because sometimes we consider athletes and professional athletes to have more care. That doesn't always necessarily lead to better care, but sometimes it does. So a great example that we just got done talking about is Achilles ruptures. For whatever reason, we started releasing the average Joe's like us three after an Achilles to do whatever you want, sports, everything at six months, professional athletes, they're telling them nine, 10 months. So there's like an incongruency right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm seeing a kid right now who is basically under like an ACL protocol after surgery. He doesn't really want to do a ton other than some snowboarding. So, you know, with if the surgeon clears it at like eight, nine months, we're probably going to be like, yeah, man, try it. Right. He has to meet these criteria, but we'll be like, yeah, try it. You don't have to do a ton. An NFL athlete, you probably are going to be have a lot higher, you know, of a bar to have to meet Um, and you want to be as, as, as careful as possible. So it really, the answer is, and you're going to hate this answer. It depends. Sometimes athletes recover faster. Sometimes they are put on the slow track intentionally. So it just, it's a balance of tissue healing and how the athlete feels.
0: Understood. Okay, Eric, you're gonna take longer than me because I'm the professional athlete.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I actually had an injury not too long ago. It was similar to uh, Antonio Gibson's. It's on the top of the foot, though. Um, And I was uh, at a podiatrist and he was his answer was like, yeah, that'll happen when when you get to be your age. I was like, well, what if I was like a oh, no. professional, what if I was a professional athlete? How would you take care of me then? He's like, well, you're not a professional athlete, so here's some Advil.
1: Isn't that, wait, 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 no, 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 that's, that's like a Tom Segura bit, isn't it? The comedian?
2: Doesn't he say that? Uh, yeah, I want to say it was Louis C.K. Oh. Uh, I was going to give oh. credit for it, I promise, so. No, 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 that's a Yeah, I, I thought, I just thought I'd heard you're that. You're not a really professional athlete. That's true, yeah, that's true. But it is, no, it is hundred percent true. I had, I had, I did have a similar conversation with a podiatrist about this. Um, so you're, you're not, you know, like that'll happen when you get old. Oh, man. That's a great advice. Thank you, doc. I'm, I'm glad I have it. Tell tried. him to send you to PT. Yeah, exactly. That was actually, yeah, one of the recommendations. And I'm still sitting here not doing anything on it. because it, <laughs> it still hurts after nine months. Oh man. Hey, Edward, man, we appreciate you so much. Thank
0: you for hopping in with us. This was great information. I will promise you we're going to reach back out during the football season when we start to compile some injuries to Absolutely. talk to you again, if you will.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate it
0: having me, guys. Hey, man. Have a great night. Thank you.